Welcome to 501c3 BS, Deprogramming for Organizational Growth, sponsored by the Gianneschi Center for Nonprofit Research at the California State University Fullerton College of Business and Economics. This season, we are busting this 10 minutes at a time with a shortened 10-minute podcast. In your second week as CEO of a small, quote-unquote, nonprofit, the board is made up of some titans of local industry who put in enough money and begged enough of their friends to get the board to the point of hiring you. But in their mind, they didn't hire you to lead. They hired you to manage things because they are the board. This is their organization. And as they told you in their first board meeting, you are the staff. You handle the day-to-day. We're the board of directors and directors direct. In the corporate world, a board of directors, according to Investopedia, is a group of individuals who are elected as representatives of the stockholders to establish corporate management-related policies and to make decisions on major company issues. But community benefit organizations, or CBOs as I'll be referring to them, haven't always had boards of directors. Until the 1970s and 80s, a CBO had a board of trustees. Being a board of directors is quite a different job than a board of trustees. Unsuccessful CBOs see their board of directors who call the shots, keep their staff in line, and have all the big ideas because that is what they do in the corporate world. Boards of directors direct. A board is there for the shareholders, which they see as their donors and funding partners. We have to be sure our donors' money is well spent, they'll tell you. The problem with this kind of thinking starts with the idea that board members are the boss. In the corporate world, boards are populated by CEOs of other companies. They are there to provide a brain trust to the CEO from his or her peers. Everyone in the room knows the business of corporate earning. They are protecting shareholders. In a CBO, none of this is true. Very few board members come from running other CBOs. Most come from the corporate model that runs on the financial profit paradigm. Most board members sit on other boards. They think that with their business experience and their other board experience, this makes them experts on running a CBO. This perception is often reinforced by a lack of training. Most boards of smaller nonprofits never go through board training to dispel these myths. In the end, we end up with a board made up of corporate greats with lots of great corporate experience who think their job is to translate that to a CBO and help the CEO run it. And because these organizations don't usually have term limits and don't follow their bylaws, they stay for decades and become obstacles for any real change, allowing these CBOs to die on the vine or just wither away until the whole generation is gone from the earth. Or at least it just seems that way. Well, compare that to what happens in a large CBO in the top 20% with effective boards. In these CBOs, boards go through a vetting process, regular training and peer review process. They have term limits and bylaws that they actually follow. This is a board of trustees entrusted with a mission. They don't take it as their job to be the boss or direct anyone. They have learned that the board is equal to the CEO in the same way that Congress is equal to the president for a balance of power. No one board member has any more power than anyone else at the organization. Their power is only as a group. They don't impose their will on anyone or force programs onto the staff. They work in consensus to fix issues that arise in the organization that they are uniquely qualified to help fix. An employee issue needs an appeals process. It goes to the board. A capital project needs a plan and campaign which the board helps devise with staff. They create fundraising and marketing help based on staff requests. They work with staff and other stakeholders to create a strategic business plan. And they all give to the mission and they all volunteer for the mission in some way. Everyone is engaged with a gift of one or all of the three T's, time, talent, or treasure. Each has put the organization in their estate plans. Each is recruiting their replacement as part of a succession plan. The board is diverse not just in ethnicity, but also in age, gender, and socioeconomic group. Trustees are recruited not for their cronyism, but for their ability to fill organization needs and their trusted skills. One would likely find a 75-year-old banker sitting next to a 30-year-old web designer. A 35-year-old alumnus of the program acts as secretary, while a 65-year-old social butterfly plans out events with staff and the board committee. 
The trustees commit to quarterly trainings, regular attendance, and volunteering at events, and an annual stakeholders retreat where they plan the year with staff and key investors. They hold an annual meeting for the CBO's patrons and publish an annual report. They don't always agree and allow space for respectful debate. They understand it is only through debate that democracy happens and great ideas rise to the top. They include staff in their debates because staff are the experts. They follow Robert's rules of orders to have orderly and efficient meetings. Because of their training, they realize they are not experts on CBOs, but because they are getting training, they are becoming experts on them. They realize that the community benefit organization's ROI comes in community benefit, not financial profit. Their job is to make sure the staff have balanced the books and return more benefit to the community for each dollar. And if there is trouble, the trustees are not to point figures or see who can be fired. Their job is to work together to fix the problem at the source. In short, a successful board does not direct. They are trustees. They work on the community's behalf to further the mission through fundraising, policy, planning, vision, and oversight with the staff, not over the staff. When I think back at my 32-year career in the social sector, every job I left ended because of issues with the board. The board is the only thing at an organization that a CEO doesn't have the power to fix. Every time, it was avoidable. Some were horror stories, including illegal and illicit acts. Others were just lack of respect issues. When employees in America were polled as to what is most important to them in their job, pay ranks somewhere around number seven. Number one is always Aretha Franklin's number one record, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, respect. If one doesn't feel respect by bosses and peers, it's very hard to enjoy work. Great teams work together. Families work together when things get tough. They can dislike each other's choices, disagree with each other's point of view, but they have respect. Without that, they are starting from below zero. If you have a dysfunctional board, you may need some help. You will need to bring in a professional expert consulting firm to do board training and teach them that their job is not to direct, but to work in partnership. Maybe some theater improv classes might help. They can learn to loosen up and learn the rules of theater improv. In theater improv, you never say no. I remember once hearing a nonprofit, and I use that word intentionally, a nonprofit executive say, the most important thing we can do is say no. That is bullshit. I had a great mentor once tell me, always find a way to say yes. That was great advice. And in theater improv, if you want to further the scene in a positive and successful way, you must share the light and say yes and. That allows others to move forward. Success depends upon trust and teamwork. Boards and CEOs both need to learn to say yes and. A board of directors job is to direct? No. A board of trustees job is to trust. Thank you for listening to this episode of 501c3 BS, Deprogramming for Organizational Growth. I am your host, Zoo Velasco. You can find us on Twitter at 501c3bs, on our website at 501c3bs.org, or at zootvelasco.com. Become a follower to our podcast. The music is provided to us by the traditional Brazilian choral music group Grupo Falso Baiano and Amy Molinelli. You can find them at grupofalsobaiano.com. There will also be a link from our website. Thanks for listening and have a great day free from BS.